0: Living the favor of God. Living the favor of God, that's roughly my title tonight and I want to take you to Luke's Gospel chapter 4. We're going to read the story of Jesus there in the synagogue and how he preaches in Nazareth and how he declares that he is the fulfillment of of every messianic promise, of every predictive prophecy relating to the liberation and salvation of the people of God. And it says in verse 14, Luke 4, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went out through all the surrounding country, And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. You read on to the rest of the story, it takes a turn for the worse, and they reject him, but let's pause right there, because I want to focus on the favor of God. Now I say this to you out of impulse, which I believe is coming from the Holy Spirit, that I might declare to you today that God's favor is upon you. And even more than that, because we know that we are walking in the favor of God, but there is a new and special season of divine favor coming upon this house. And I don't just claim it for Kensington Temple, London City Church. I don't just claim it for your life and my life. I believe it is going to be woven into the fabric of the new move of God, which is going to be a grace and favor movement. Now, not very far from here is Kensington Palace and some of the surrounding cottages and houses, accommodation, are given out by some kind of royal permission or command, let's not get too technical detail here, but it is the phrase, the grace and favor accommodation. That is, there are accommodations and cottages and buildings and flats provided by Her Majesty the Queen as grace and favor for various folk. Now, I would love to be one of those grace and favor people. Would you not like to have an apartment just adjacent to Kensington Palace You wouldn't have to catch a bus to come to Kensington Temple. You could just walk. Amen and amen. But we have favor with God, which is even higher than any earthly honor could bestow upon us. We are walking in the favor of God. We are living in the favor of God, and we need to know how to transmit that favor. So, first thing I want to say about this is that the declaration of Jesus here from Isaiah the prophet, which was probably the daily reading in the synagogue according to the lexical studies that were given in the day. Probably it was the given text of the day and Jesus was, had the honour of reading out the text for the day. And the text for the day focuses on what we know to be the Year of Jubilee. The Year of Jubilee happened every 50 years in the land of Israel Leviticus 25 verse 10 says, And you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. Anybody turning 50 this year? Anybody turned 50 this year? Okay. Year of Jubilee for you. Amen and amen. Just take it. I, I throw that one out for free. It shall be a Jubilee for you when each of you shall return to his property and each of you shall return to his clan. Then it goes on and it describes the wonderful things that happened in this year of Jubilee. All property was returned to his original owners. All mortgages were cancelled. Hallelujah. All debts were cancelled. All slaves were set free. I mean, I mean, there seems to I be mean, no end to it. The glorious year of Jubilee. A year of liberty. And it's described as this as the year of God's favour. God was demonstrating, showing up in the 50th year, to remind everybody that this was that He is a God of grace, He's a God of mercy, He's a God God of favor. Now that's the year of Jubilee. Now in Isaiah 49, verse 8, the year of Jubilee is used as an example of God's wonderful restoration of his people. He was saying just as the land experienced jubilee every 50 years, you who have been exiled shall be returned to the land and it shall be, as it were, a very special jubilee for you. Isaiah 49, verse 8. Thus says the Lord, in a time of favour I have answered you, in a day of salvation I have helped you. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people to establish the land to apportion the desolate heritage. heritage. What is this saying? This is saying that the year of favor, that God's favor, that God's jubilee is a picture of the restoration of God's people. And when we talk about a move of the Holy Spirit, whether we talk about revival or renewal, it is nothing more, nothing less than God restoring his people to the place where we should be and giving us blessing upon blessing and grace upon grace. But it goes further than that. The Apostle Paul takes the language of jubilee, the language of restoration, and applies it to the salvation which is God's gift to his people. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 2, quoting Isaiah building on the picture of Jubilee. For he says, In a favourable time, I listened to you. And in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favourable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Here the Apostle Paul says, The gospel is the gospel of grace. The gospel is nothing more, nothing less than a declaration of God's favour and God's favour falling upon those who believe. So this is who we are. We are people of God's favour. We have received God's favour. And tonight in this house, if you have never stepped into the salvation of God, let me tell you on good authority, Jubilee, Restoration, gospel, salvation. Today is the day of his salvation. Today is the day of his favor. All you have to do is reach out and receive Christ who is grace and favor to you today. And you will walk in a favorable relationship with God not because of what you deserve, not because of what you honor or merit, but because of the honor and merit and the just deserts of Jesus Christ who died for you, faithful God, bringing favor in your life. Give him a big praise right now. And of course, as recipients of God's grace and favor, we are also called to be agents. That's where I want to go tonight. We are called to be agents of God's favor. When Jesus stood up in the Nazareth synagogue and said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, He was saying that the favor of God is upon me. Remember, you are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, upon whom my favor favor rests. Messiah was lifted up to the place of high favor with God. Grew every day from childhood onwards up. Grew in grace and strength and knowledge and favor with God and favor with man. The favor of God was upon him. And because the favor of God was upon him, the anointed one could stand up and say, I proclaim in the name of the living God, favor has come upon you. Favor has come upon your house. Favor has come upon your life. Called to be agents of God's favor. Now then, I want to just dig a little deeper tonight into this, not long, it's not a teaching service, not long, but I want to dig a little deeper because there is a journey that you and I have to go on. All right, now, all very well so far, we'll say this is great, I believe it, I receive it, hallelujah, amen, let's go on, let's go home. No, 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 there is a journey and we have to go through a process And in this process, we have to cooperate with God and begin to qualify, not to receive the favor. We have received the favor. We qualify simply by believing and saying, yes, I, I take it, I grab it, I hold it, I have the favor of God. Amen and amen. That's instant. Amen. It's as simple as grabbing it and taking it and saying, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, it is mine. Done, 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 done. But to be an agent of God's favor, to be in the place where we can transmit that, where we can proclaim that, where we can demonstrate it, where we can be an agent of God to bring favor in other people's lives, we have to qualify. Even Jesus had to qualify. And we see him qualifying right here in the early part of this chapter. And I'll open up to Luke 4. won't necessarily refer to the passages by uh, the verses one by one, but have a look and just glance at the context. You will see in Luke chapter 4, it begins with the temptation of Jesus. And there is this extraordinary verse You recall straight after Jesus' baptism, heavens were opened, the Spirit came upon him and the voice from heaven declaring, you are my beloved son, you are my son and and, and God's blessing, God's favour and God is pleased with you. And the very next thing is the Spirit takes Jesus and thrusts him out into the wilderness to be tempted by the evil one. Now that is extraordinary. Why is it? That Jesus has to face the devil before he moves into his public ministry. And the answer to that is very, very simple. Jesus was not prepared and would not face the devil in the public realm until he'd faced the devil in his own personal experience. Very important spiritual principle. Very important spiritual principle. We have to overcome him in the secret place before we can stand before God and men in the public place. And I want to encourage you today to get back to the secret place with God, to do business with God in the secret place, and also to go back to those battles. Some of you have had some victory. Some of you have had some defeat. But the battle is not over yet. You've got to go back to that place of battle. And you've got to go back again and bring defeat to the enemy in the personal areas of your life. Amen and amen and amen. Alright, now, the great thing about this is that we don't battle on our own. Jesus has already gained the victory. He's already been there, been there before us. He was tempted in every way like as we are, yet without sin. And therefore, because he is victorious, our battle is stepping into the victory of Jesus Christ and administering his glorious victory. We are God's law enforcement officers. Amen and amen. So that's why Jesus defeated the enemy. So that we could step into his victory. So he says, first of all, the Spirit of God thrust him out into the desert to be tempted by the enemy. But notice in uh, Luke chapter 4 verse 1, it, it is underlined very quickly, very clearly, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. So Jesus returned from Galilee full of the Holy Spirit and then was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted and we know what happens next. Three major temptations, Jesus overcame the enemy through the word of God At every point, it is written, it is written, it is written. And then the devil left him for an opportune time. Temptation never came to an end, but this particular temptation was over. And we read where our passage began, verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Jesus returned to Galilee. He went to Galilee Full of the Spirit. He came back to Galilee. Full of the power of the Holy Spirit. See there's a difference between being full of the Spirit. And manifesting the power of the Holy Spirit in your daily life. Full of the Spirit before the temptation. Full of the power of the Spirit after the temptation. So what this tells us is that you and I, who have received God's Spirit, we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, nevertheless still need to go and work those victories. Until we do so, we will not know what it is to move in the power of the Holy Spirit. The people who have learned to face the enemy, to defeat the enemy in the secret place, are those who are qualified to demonstrate God's power in the public place. And we need in our nation and we need in this city and in this church men and women who have successfully fought the battles in the private secret place of their lives and have returned back into the public arena full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I have amen in the house of God? So that's the first thing. To qualify, we need to know what it is to be victorious over the enemy, to overcome temptation... And to be released into the power of his spirit. So many people, when they talk about the qualifications of serving God, and look at others, I think of the, our dear Victor this morning, Victor Hashwe, ministering so clearly today. If you missed this morning's service, get it. It'll be up online very soon, tomorrow sometime. And I know how the the journey that man has walked, the suffering, dedication, hardship, the faith, the battles. And I think that scars on a man are manly. Battle scars on a child of God are godly. Amen and amen. amen. Hallelujah. Battle scars. What does it mean? It means we have... Being prepared to engage the enemy. We don't just sit back and leave it to the spiritual ones. There is a battle in your life that God wants you to go back to, to meet the enemy and to defeat him. Not in your own strength. In the power of God and in the victory of Jesus Christ. It's not about challenging the devil on your own terms. Don't ever do that. Don't be so stupid as to do that. You know, not even angels dare to bring an accusation against the enemy in that kind of a way. Some charismatic Christians are so bone stupid that they think that they can confront the devil in their own strength and without the direction of the Holy Spirit. But there is a battle... Every day of our life when we take up our cross and follow Jesus and sometimes in the small things, in the hidden things that nobody will know about in the secret place but you and God. But my word, heavens above, when you stand again in the public place, when you sing that solo, the glory comes down. When you preach that message, God's people are released in power. And when you witness and testify and share the word of God in your daily place of work, something happens. And when you intercede before the throne of God, Heaven is moved. Earth is shaken. Because you met the devil in the secret place and you overcame him in the name of Jesus Christ. Give him a mighty praise. Hallelujah. Amen and amen and amen. Something is very wrong tonight. I'm preaching too rapidly. I'm nearly at the end. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. We go with the flow. Nearly at the end already. Wow, what a bonus. Is it Christmas coming soon? All right. So, uh, let's recap. Uh, We talked about receiving God's favour, then we talked about the fact that that favour is supposed to be blessed and imparted onto others and therefore we need to be qualified to be carriers of God's favour and agents of God's favour. And we saw that Jesus went to the wilderness in in the full of the Spirit and returned in the power of the Spirit because he faced down Satan and overcame him. Through the word. Now then, I suppose we're coming to the good bit. I want to talk about the fruits of favor. The fruits of favor. The most wonderful thing about the favor of God is its narrow focus. And to you too. It's narrow focus. Why is that a blessing? Because Jesus is not to be found on the broad way, but on the narrow way. And the fruit and blessing of favor is that it, 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 it rests in the narrow path. Because in the narrow path, that's where the voice of the Spirit is heard. And the voice of the Spirit is the only voice that leads you into the fruits of the favour of the Lord. Why am I saying this? Because today there is a cacophony of voices. Words are spoken, thousands of words. You think of the words of media. You think of the words on television, radio. And many of you don't even know what that is because all you have is internet, but the internet is full of many, many words. You do a search and it's in 3, you know, .75 of a second and you have, it has covered six million references just to search that. Bang! Like that. And it's selected words out of the many, many, many words spoken and written on the internet. And I think it is wonderful. I think the information you get is amazing. So long as you are discerning, you can discern the good from the bad. But access to information is amazing. But it has a problem because there is six million opinions and conflicting points of view on any topic you may look at. And the temptation is, even for believers, Dare I say, even for spirit-filled believers, dare, 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 dare I say, even for spirit-filled Kensington Temple believers, there is a temptation to go through all of those six million references until you find the opinion that you like for yourself. That's not the favor of God. That's not the grace of God. The grace of God is found in the narrow way. And the moment you are able to shake off from the left, All the voices that are pulling you in this direction. And shake off on the right. All the voices are pulling you in that direction. And listen only to that still small voice of the Holy Spirit. And in that intimacy of privacy and fellowship with God in the secret place, you now have power in the public place to be a transmitter of the grace of God. That's exactly what happened to Jesus. Now, Jesus did not need any of this for himself. He, after all, was and is the incarnate Son of God. But if Jesus had to qualify to be a favor carrier and a favor transmitter, then how much do you and I need to follow in his footsteps? So the focus is on the voice of the Spirit. What was so wrong with Jesus having fasted for 40 days to, ch- to make some bread from stone? Why? Why? What is so bad about that? Well, he was not living by the bread that you bake in an oven or make in the desert. He was living by what? By the very word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. And if the Father had not given him permission or instruction, to transform his physical circumstances into that which would provide sustenance for his needs, both physical and emotional, he would not do it. He would say, I would rather be hungry and be in the presence of God than to be full and fat in the presence of demons. (laughs) Amen? Would you rather that? Would you rather that? He says, I would rather be in need and walk with God than to be full and satisfied with God on the outside of my life. Can you make that same declaration, people of God? Because it goes right against our culture. Our culture says, if it feels good, do it. Go on, if you want it, grab it. If you're hungry, take it. If you're thirsty, take it. Do whatever you want to do because after all, having your needs met and you feeling good is what the universe is all about. Right? Wrong. The universe is all about reflecting the glory of God. And we are on this planet not to live in the abundance of our own self-satisfied emotional life, physical life or any other life. We are called to minister to the needs of God the Father Almighty as He changes us and develops us so that we can become carriers of His glory and carriers of His blessing. Give Him a big praise. Amen and amen and amen. The great joy of the focus of the voice of the Holy Spirit, as you can be sure, where He leads, you follow, and where you follow, you will find yourself in the favour of God. Always in the favour of God. That's why we add to the Christian grace, from the words of Corinthians to that wonderful Psalm 23, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why? They're following me because I'm following him. The Lord is my shepherd. Amen and amen. Focus, number one. Number two, freedom. The fruit of favor is freedom. Freedom from bondage. I love it. All of this in Luke 4 is freedom language. Anointed me to proclaim good news. Liberty to the captives. Liberty to the sight, of sight to the blind. Set at liberty those who are oppressed. The year of the Lord's favour. It's about freedom. It's about liberty. The fruit of favour is freedom in your life. Freedom from bondage. Freedom from fear. Freedom from debt. Into the abundance of God. Liberty, freedom and God's blessing abounding in your life. That's what it means to be under the favour of God. Amen and amen. Amen. think Think about that widow woman. What did she have? Bit of bread, bit of oil, bread and oil, bread, a little bit, tiny bit. What are you? Look at you, you woman, you should have more faith. That's all you got. But when it was in the hands of God, the little that she had was more than anybody else. Did you notice that? So, favor is not measured in bank account, okay? Necessarily. Favor is not necessarily measured by material things, all right? Because if that was the case, we'd have to look at some of the most wicked people on this planet who are also the wealthiest and say, oh, it's the favor of God. Oh, I tell you something else, they have got a big surprise coming to them when they realize that they are Poor in the sight of God, and they think that their life is measured by the abundance of their possessions. No, no, no. What we're talking about is immaterial. It's intangible. It is almost indefinable. But it is walking with the presence of God and the favor of God in your life. And if the favor of God is in you, and the favor of God is on you, a bit of oil, a bit of corn can be can be multiplied and can feed a multitude. As boys, sandwiches can feed a multitude. A cruise of oil can pay enough money to set people free from slavery and bring prosperity into their life. All you need is the favor of God. Walk in the favor of God. Have nothing in your pocket and yet possess everything. That's the nature of the favor of God. The favor of God brings freedom from fear. Freedom from debt. I'm going to come back to that. There's a debt deliverance ministry in the spirit in this place tonight. Into God's abundance. And the liberty and freedom of walking in the Spirit and enjoying God's glorious presence. Focus, freedom, and finally, fullness of the kingdom of God. These are all signs of and fruits of the favor of God. One verse sums it up for me, Romans 14 and verse 17. Now, the discussion in this context is the various points of view, differing points of view, that were held by the very early church, the very early church, concerning certain rules and regulations which were in the Mosaic economy, but really did not belong to the new covenant. And there were some who were educated in the spirit of liberty we were able to see that many of the things that had been outlawed in the law of Moses now had been replaced by the grace of God. Certain things were discussed there, such as dietary laws and restrictions. Jesus declared all meats clean. But not everybody had that kind of faith. And so the Apostle Paul says, now be careful, don't, don't get bogged down on this. Don't, don't start arguing about this and don't stumble one another. Okay? Don't argue about these things. And some people are going to have to grow into their freedom and liberty. And others are going to take longer. And some of you are going to jump right in it. But okay, don't argue about these things. Don't destroy one another. And don't discourage one another. And it goes on to say this, verse 17, Romans 14. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of legalistic requirements concerning eating and drinking. But the kingdom of God is all about righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what I mean about fullness. The fullness of the life of the kingdom is the fullness of the life of the Spirit. Which means that we are being led by the Holy Spirit into righteousness, into peace and joy. Notice how the first thing that is mentioned is righteousness. Righteousness is not the legalistic conformity to the rules and regulations of the law of Moses or the law of any denomination or the law of evangelical Christianity in the 21st century, but it is about walking in the Spirit, keeping in touch with the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, and the Spirit of God will lead you in paths of righteousness. As Psalm 23 says, your good shepherd, he leads me into paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Jesus says righteousness is at the heart of the kingdom. That's why he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek that even above what you eat and what you drink. Seek that above all that you worry about housing and accommodation and clothing. As important as these things are and they are so important that your heavenly father knows you need it he'll take care of that stuff you focus on the righteousness of the kingdom and flowing in the Holy Spirit and when you do this you find that the fruit of favour is the spirit of righteousness not self-righteousness not judgmentalism, not arrogance, not legalism, not a spirit of condemnation, but a spirit of righteousness and God's power in your life leading you from one victory to another victory, walking in righteousness for his name's sake. And when you are walking in righteousness, you find that you are accompanied as the Old Testament. What follows you? Goodness and mercy. That's it. New Testament, walking in righteousness. What follows you? Peace and joy. Peace and joy. You say, well, I, 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 want, I want them all. Okay, fine. Peace and joy. And Peace and joy. Peace and joy take them all take them all but peace and joy are very very real peace is a shalom of God it passes all understanding and joy knows no bounds no limits the joy of the Lord is your strength and we need some joy today we need some joy you look around anybody on the underground that looks happy has got to be a spirit-filled Christian. (laughs) Have you seen that? Poor people. Burdened. Under the weight of 21st century living in London. But we are not just those living in London. We are filled with the spirit of grace. We are bounding in the steadfast love of God. We are moving by the Holy Spirit. And God's favor is upon our lives. And we can bestow that favor as we share His love, speak His word, preach the gospel, and demonstrate His goodness.